from the offices of Melman, Castanetti, Rosen, and Thomas. Just footsteps from the White House, the heart of the nation's capital. This is 14th NG, the podcast sitting at the intersection of business and policy. Here's your host, C.R. Wooters. Welcome to 14th NG. I'm your host, C.R. Wooters. On this episode, we talk to my old pal, Jamie Smith. Jamie is the Chief Communications Officer at Bitfury. She also has a bunch of other titles, which we'll get into. But she's going to teach us all things Bitcoin and blockchain, which, as we know, quite a topic of conversation these days. A couple things I wanted to tell you before we start. First, we recorded this a couple weeks ago, before those devastating hurricanes hit the Caribbean. And we make reference to Necker Island uh, in the podcast. I left it in because it was pretty fun. But I don't want to make light of the devastation that happened in the, in the Caribbean and the folks that are still very much in need. So I don't want to be insensitive with that. The second is we make reference to Bitcoin's valuation being $4,000. In the few weeks since we've cut this episode, Bitcoin is now trading at $10,000 a coin and seems to be going up. There's a bit of a discussion of whether or not these Bitcoins are on a bubble. Uh, I don't know anything about stocks, but seems to be rocking and rolling right now. So for all things Bitcoin and blockchain, here's my pal, Jamie Smith. Jamie Smith, welcome to 14th and G. Thanks Thank for stopping you. by. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, by way of background, uh, uh, Jamie and I have known each other for like 15 years now when we were answering phones for important people. Almost, now she's an important... Almost import- 20, we're that old. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, so Jamie's done a bunch of cool things, including working in the White House, and now she is uh, at Bitfury. And I want to start there. What's your title? What's your role? And do you feel like you're a little bit of a blockchain Bitcoin ev- evangelical? I do. I do. I feel like a blockchain Bitcoin evangelist or evangelical of some sort. Um, and unfortunately, all the companies in this space, their names start with things like Bit and Block, and it's super weird, but don't let that um, <laughs> deceive you. So I have many roles, but my official title is that I am the chief uh, uh, communications officer um, for this company called Bitfury. I also actually am the CEO of an organization called the Global Blockchain Business Council, which I will get to um, later on in this discussion. And I'm the co-founder of an organization called the Blockchain Trust Accelerator. And so it's all this one big, you know, universe of blockchain efforts to get more people to understand what this technology is. And Bitfury is the world's largest and leading uh, full service blockchain technology company. And what I mean by that is that if you are a business, an institution, a government, anybody out there who wants to move the work that you're doing to a blockchain-based system, we can get you there um, A to Z, hardware, software, et cetera. Okay. All totally clears it up now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So I'm going to start with the most important question, then we'll get to the, the, the business stuff. How cool is Necker Island? Necker Island's pretty cool. <laughs> and Everyone in the world should do conferences there. So <laughs> Highly t- recommend. Tell us why you were there, and also, is Sir Richard Branson a, dr- a jerk? He is not a jerk at oh, all. Oh, okay. Well, Super I got, got some nice. bad news on that one. Okay. He's a, li- he a lovely, <laughs> lovely man. Um, 
he's a little shy, surprisingly. Um, and he, you know, so Richard Branson, he um, is a is a kite surfer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw pictures as, of him with President Obama kite surfing. Yes, yes. So as, um, and it turns out there's a lot of kite surfers out there who are also innovators and investors. And so one of those people who kite surfs with Richard Branson happens to be on our board. His name is Bill Tai. He's a big deal in the investment world. Has been around this space for a long time in mm-hmm. the space we like to call the original internet. Okay. So Bill um, is a big fan of Bitfury and a big fan of Richard's. And so the concept was, let's bring a bunch of people who care about this technology together on Sir Richard Branson's island and talk about how we can scale this thing and get more people to understand it and care about it. So that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bunch of you know blockchain people, like the four mm-hmm. people on earth who know anything about this. <laughs> so out of that discussion, um, there was one guy who happened to be there. His name is Brian Ford. And he was at the White House with me, actually. Um, Brian left the White House. He was in the Office of Science and Technology Policy. And he went to MIT to study Bitcoin and blockchain. Huh. So that's why he was on Necker. He called me after he left that first event and he said, hey, I think you should quit your super safe job (laughs) with two small children. My son was 10 days old and join this startup that you've never heard of and work on Bitcoin. And I I literally remember saying to him, you are out of your mind. This is criminal money. I don't want anything to do with it. And he said, well, that's the problem. That's what people think. But it's actually not at all what this is. Right. And we need somebody to help us with the communications on this. And it's not just this company, but it's the whole ecosystem. So that takes you back to my title, which is that I feel like I spend probably 50% of my time working on just the technology and just right. to, just getting people to understand what this is. And then also, of course, for Bitfury. Um, and our well, let's, view... Let's, let's start there real quick, yeah, if I yeah. can. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no, no. What's blockchain? What's Bitcoins? Mm-hmm. And what's Bitfury's role in that space? Or, or however it makes sense to answer that question. Think of blockchain technology as like a digital notary. If you look at the original internet, the idea was to move information, but it was not designed to move assets because we couldn't figure out a secure way to do it. So with blockchain technology, you now can do that. You can securely move assets around the world, peer to peer, and when you do that, the transfer of that asset is is logged onto a secure immutable record. So let me back up. I think of blockchain technology like a train track okay. between you and me, yep. and me and somebody else, and I am going to send you money because that's how 99% of people are using this technology for money right now. Right. So you want $1,000. Right. I need to send it to you. I'll take more if you okay. send it. Okay. 10000 <laughs> I am going to attach that money to the car on top of the train track. Okay. So the train track is the blockchain. Yeah. It's the rails that allow me to do that. Yeah. The car on top of the train track is a digital token. Okay. And I'm just going to attach it to it. It's going to get like a little QR code, like anything that you buy yep. at the store right now. Sure. It gets a little number. And the minute I send it to you, that transaction mm-hmm. got a code and it got what's called a hash. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the world can go on the public blockchain and watch that I just did that. Okay. So it's 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 pretty transparent. Sure. It doesn't say like Jamie to CR, but right. it says like this number to that number just sent that asset yep. and this is the number that says that that happened. Okay. That car, that digital token is called a bitcoin. And so what is kind of blowing everybody's mind is that that bitcoin has a value. And I regular. just checked the stock market. The value is <laughs> pretty good. high these days. <laughs> right, yes. I will note that three years ago or two years ago when I started in this space, they were worth $400. Okay. And now they're worth $4,200. So 
I'm definitely kicking myself <laughs> for not buying a lot of Bitcoin two years ago, but I was still weary. So, um, but a Bitcoin is just simply a digital token that I'm attaching that asset to and sending to you. And then what is taking things to the next level is it really just doesn't have to be money. It okay. can actually be any asset. And so every industry on earth is looking into this because mm-hmm. they have data integrity management issues. Sure. They have cybersecurity issues. And PS, using this is super cheap. Walmart has taken a real lead using yep. blockchain technology. They're tracking where meat is coming from Asia so that they huh. know exactly the point of entry and where it stopped and where it was. And each time along the supply chain, they're recording it on a blockchain basis so that their constituents or the people that buy things from Walmart can have more visibility into that type of tracking. So mm-hmm. I think that the money movement is alone revolutionary because you have all of these people, yep. billions of people in the world who are not banked. They mm-hmm. have no they have no ability in their countries to own a bank account. And now mm-hmm. they can have what's called a digital wallet. And they sure. can just own this digital token and as many as they want in their phone and they can transact back and forth. And so you can start a small business. You can do all these things. Right. But from a business perspective, you can, you know, ensure that your systems are working better. Right. No, that makes sense. From a government standpoint, you're looking at better efficiency and more cost savings on anything from land title transfer to the way your DMV functions to electronic health records, the VA. I mean, really, like... How does it, you know, and you're, you're talking about, you just got me thinking about it with electronic medical records, which makes a lot of sense. You know, people are really scared of cybersecurity and information sharing and all the rest. How is this not hackable or how is this less hackable or how is this, you know? So this is why, this is what got me to leave my super safe job and get into the space. (laughs) For me, because my background is much more in national security, I really needed to understand the security aspect of this. And it's, it gets a little space agey, so stay with me, but it's, it's actually at its core, not that complicated, but Right now, the way the original internet was designed is that if you want to set up your own web space or your own data management system, you do that. If you're a company, you're like, this is our company, this is our system, and people can try and hack into it, but hopefully they can't, and we'll set up all these barriers, cybersecurity measures around it. But once a hacker gets in, It's like party time, right? right? Like they're in and it's one big space. So in 2008, when the Bitcoin blockchain, which is the oldest blockchain out there, there are other blockchains and we can talk about that in a minute. What they basically did was they took a silo of information and they broke it up into thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces. And so in order to break into the Bitcoin blockchain, you would have to break into every single piece all at the same time. So it's the equivalent Mm. of... In the old days, or in the current days, you just have to break into one house. Sure. But now, you have to break into an entire neighborhood. At with, the same time. At the same time, with okay. all the same keys, in all the same ways, with all the same codes. Okay. I would never look you in the eye and say it's impossible, but right. it's really, really hard. Right. And what's interesting is that it's actually, it would cost you trillions of dollars today. Mm-hmm. And even if you got in, the system would break down. There's no money that you would even make. So even if a state actor was terrible and they would want, the system would just recognize there was a problem and you wouldn't make the zillions of dollars that are in there. So it's really cost prohibitive and like there's, there's just no real incentive to doing it. Every 10 minutes, people around the world are using, moving Bitcoin around and transacting and sending assets around the world, right? All of those transactions get put in a block and this is why it's called blockchain. Okay. So they're put in a block And then those transactions are verified. And I can go into how they're verified. But once they are verified, and it's basically through cryptographic mathematical problems that everybody has to solve. Super geek stuff. Super geek stuff. Um, Once that is 
that those blocks of transactions are confirmed, they get attached to all of the blocks before. So every 10 minutes, you're creating a new house. Okay. Makes which sense. means that a nine-year-old Bitcoin blockchain is the most secure on Earth because it's nine years of houses. Okay. And yeah. you'd have to break into all of them. <laughs> so here's a question for you. Um, and, it, and there are two questions. One is kind of, I guess, more negative, and one's a little bit more functional. The first, the negative one, uh, you know, isn't this terrorist moving money around? How do you avoid, you know, drug mm -hmm. dealers and whoever else using this as their currency of choice um, is the first one. And then the second one, which I think is a little bit more, a little bit, I guess, separate from that, which is how do you tax this, right? Is everyone going to go pick up their their bitcoins in, in in Ireland because there's no you know taxes are different there um, does it is it both really uh, really good questions yeah. so first on the criminal element of this i i wish i could tell you that there's a way to totally stop criminals from using this technology but like right. i can't i can't stop bad people from using technology what i can say is that there are a group of people here in Washington, um, namely uh, two guys, one guy named Jason Weinstein, who was the former head of the White Collar Criminal Division at DOJ, and now it's Steptoe and Johnson, and his partner, Alan Cohn, who was at DHS. And what they did, because they got really into Bitcoin a couple years ago, is they decided to start what's called the Blockchain Alliance. And what it is, is a group of us companies who mm -hmm. work with law enforcement to help them use this technology to find bad guys. Because yes, it's true that some bad guys are trying to use it. Mm -hmm. We're very early in this space and it's a secure, immutable record of transactions. So actually it's awesome for law enforcement. <laughs> if they can figure <laughs> right, out how right. to use it, right. it's way better than a bag of cash, which is almost untraceable, right? right. This is like, you can- once, Fingerprints all once, over this Right, this right. fingerprints all, once you figure out who the person is, who mm -hmm. the number belongs to, which I'm not saying is easy, it lights up like a Christmas tree, allegedly. Sure. So there's this amazing woman out in San Francisco who is a DOJ prosecutor, and she's the first ever US official to put people in jail using the blockchain. Huh. But on the tax piece, I think it's actually a larger question of regulation. So what, what is really gonna be complicated and is already proving really complicated for DC, Brussels, Hong Kong, you name it, every major city in the world is, that is beginning to tackle this question of well, how do we even regulate this? Is right. it a commodity? Is it a security? Is it mm -hmm. a currency? Mm -hmm. Because it's all of those things. And the, all of those things are treated differently by different governments, Completely. right? And I by mean, different you know. jurisdictions. So mm -hmm. is it Treasury? Is it the SEC? Is it going to be the IRS? Like, who yep. is actually going to be in charge? Is it, if I'm using this to track commodities through, you know, agriculture, then mm -hmm. is the Department of Agriculture getting involved? And you know how easy it is on Capitol Hill to figure out jurisdictional matters, yes, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. Just, which committee is going to oversee all right. this? And so, right. so yeah. it's a long answer of, I don't exactly know how you're going to be able to tax it, but I know that you know there are you you can be taxed on capital gains if you buy bitcoin and it goes up just sticking with the bitcoin piece mm -hmm. will we be moving to like a global everyone uses this potentially i don't think so okay i don't think that's what's going to happen but i do think that lawmakers understand this technology quickly right because the last thing you want is for us to be kind of the last ones to the party understanding where the potential competition is now i will say the fed is totally all over this mm -hmm. my understanding is there are a lot of other um agencies in the u.s government who are looking at this really closely but just for competitive purposes we need to understand kind of where this is going and why countries might be motivated to have digital currencies that are competitive in this space. Will they adopt Bitcoin? I don't know. They might just create their own digital tokens and sure. their own blockchains and have that be their own thing. It's sort of a mystery to me. 
What I also um, worry about is that mm -hmm. London is very incentivized, sure. Brussels more so on the regulatory side, Hong Kong, Singapore for sure, the um, UAE. There's just a lot of countries are saying, you know what, we're going to take the lead here sure. because it seems like we can. And I'm not saying that that's bad for them, but it is also another reason we need to get on this and not be in a space where it's, you know, if you go to China and major cities, we did, a, we've done events there. It's, it's really hard to find people who haven't heard of this technology. Huh, it's not, it's very hard to find people who have in Washington. And so it, that worries yes. me from a U.S. competitive standpoint. If you'll let me, I want to go into the super space agey part of this. Okay, sure. You know, as I said, there's these 10 minute blocks. And in order to verify those blocks, sure. there are thousands of data centers around the world. And these data centers literally fight each other every 10 minutes. And what they're fighting each other on is to solve the mathematical algorithm that is attached to each block. Whoever okay. solves it first wins a Bitcoin. So we are very strongly financially incentivized to keep this system moving and going and secure. This process is very unfortunately called Bitcoin mining. There, is, there are other digital tokens out there and mining is happening on all of them. Yeah. But this is, you know, the Bitcoin value is mm -hmm. driven by that mining process. Okay. What I would like to see is if the U.S. government or big U.S. companies are going to put skin in the game and actually secure their data in these systems, sure. they should start getting in the game of mining. So long way of saying that I think it's in our interest to learn a lot more about this as a country. So you've touched on what my, what my question was going to be, which is, you know, what government should do. And obviously getting up to speed and, and what you just said is that, is there anything governments shouldn't do? I assume yeah. over-regulation yeah, 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 is yeah. a problem, but Yeah, and people mean? tell me amazing stories about how, you know, when they, a car was first invented, if you go back and look at some of the laws that regulators propose, I mean, like, it was one of them famously was that if you wanted to own a car, you had to have one person in the in the passenger seat and one person walking in front of the car holding a flag. <laughs> so, Although I will say, when our kids start driving, maybe we should go back to that flag thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's a very good point. I'd love to see the Trump administration mandate that every single agency in the government should at least have a pilot going. Huh. I think yeah. that would be really helpful in mm -hmm. sort of figuring out the bugs, figuring out what potentials mm -hmm. are, um, because I don't think you're going to get agencies to just jump to a whole new data management sure. system right. so, so fast. So it's interesting. Some are much more eager and right. than others. In, I'm sure this will come as no shock, but the agencies that are gigantic are a little bit more weary of moving yet again to a whole other system. Right. Um, but if you can show them the cost savings potential and the security potential, right. you're in business, right? Yeah. It's a whole different level. But I think at the very least, we it's like malpractice for us not to be doing pilots. Almost yeah. every major company in the U.S. is doing pilots is right doing now. pilots, okay. Yes. And various degrees of kind of all in or, or just toe in the water kind of stuff. Correct, yeah. correct. But Walmart really has been a huge leader in this. Um, and they're looking at all the other ways to use it. Because, you know, supply and supply movement is so critical to their whole business. So you mentioned supply movement. Um, one of the things I, when I was doing my research for this, I, I saw that you one of the ways uh, drone delivery uh, and this technology may marry itself yes. because you can see – a drone leave, what, what it leaves and when it drops off and who picks yeah. it up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. And it's easy. I mean, it's just literally logging all of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, these these Bitcoins or these, or these different coins will be able to do what are called smart contracts, which mm -hmm. is 
be able to read the drone and the, the two technologies can talk to each other and actually log that information so you don't necessarily need to be sitting there putting all the information every time. It'll just be designed that way. Right. And so we're moving in a direction where whatever kind of pick up and drop off effort is happening, mm -hmm. Logging in a, in a blockchain-based system is just going to be more secure and cheaper. And so, you know, I just can't imagine why people wouldn't use it. Right. Um, and, what you know, I, I sort of think about this technology when, you know, from a business perspective or from an individual perspective, I think that three things in the next, I don't know how many years, five, ten, whatever years are going to happen. I think there will be global Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine why there wouldn't be. Zuckerberg right. and all those guys are all thinking of ways to have that. And I think everyone will have access to a phone, most everybody, yep. in all corners of the earth. It'll it looks a, like it the developing like companies phone, are, develop, developing countries have jumped the PC and stuff and just gone right to the phone, right? Totally. I mean, the most um, wired country for money movement, palm to palm, peer-to-peer, mm -hmm. -peer, is Kenya. Right. on earth right? right like they are doing amazing they we think we're so far ahead in the u.s <laughs> but actually they're way further ahead on these types of things right so you know global wi-fi everyone has a phone and now you have blockchain technology and the secure immutable ledger that allows you to do this for basically free i mean the difference is i'll do love and respect to western union but in certain countries if i'm going to send you a hundred dollars it could cost me 20 bucks sure Sure. Using the Bitcoin blockchain, it could cost you two cents. Right. That's like a serious right, right. cost savings. Right. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. I'm going to ask you my last question. It's a question I ask everybody who comes here. So in D.C., um, people meet folks for coffee when you're looking for advice or whether you're looking for a new job or whatever else. So I ask everybody who comes on the, on the pod, if you could have coffee with someone today or tomorrow, if you're busy today, who would it be? Oh, my goodness. In D.C.? <laughs> could be whoever. It could be whoever. We've gotten dead people. We've gotten presidents so far. We've oh gotten gosh. a good number of other folks. I'm sure this won't be a popular answer, but I I would pick the president. Yeah. I'd like to have coffee with him. I'd like to assess him myself. I'd like to understand a little bit more about what we're working with here. Yeah. <laughs> um, because clearly whatever is happening here is confusing everyone. So, you know, I have a spidey sense. I'd like to get a sense of, like, what, what are we, you know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of rational there, and I'd like to understand it better. So that would be, and, you know, I look, I'm, I'm always a big fan of, of working out across the aisle in any ways we can because I'm from the Midwest, and fundamentally we actually do really need solutions. And so I'd like to at least figure out um, more about what's happening. Jamie Smith, thanks for joining us here at 14th and G. We appreciate it. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I want to thank Jamie for coming into 14th and G. It's always fun to talk to her. If you're looking for me, my email address is wooters at mc-dc.com. And my Twitter handle is at crwooters. Drop me a note. Let me know what you think. And we'll see you next time at the intersection of business and policy right here at 14th and G.